the more that you chase for something and the more that you consistently think about it and you find different ways to force it, it's never really going to end well. When I joined Sendosa as a customer's as associate, I was forcing to become a CSM like six months to like a year. I consistently bought it up to my director at that time, but nothing ever happened. And then eventually the community manager role just fell into my lap. And then I was like, oh shoot, this is the actual role that I've been looking for, but I never thought about. Yeah, it's kind of like serendipity, right? You wait, don't expect anything, and eventually it will come to you. I was like, holy crap, this is actually the role that's made for me. Hey friends, this is your host, Cesar Romero, and you're listening to Beyond the Job Title Podcast, the show that explores the human experiences that shape our professional and personal lives. My guest for this episode is Danny Liu. Danny is a community and events manager at a company called Catalyst, which helps go-to-market teams unlock insights on how to easily grow and retain revenue from their number one asset, their customers. In this episode, we dive into Danny's journey pivoting from financial services to the startup world. And we're going to be talking about overcoming adversity, building resiliency, authenticity at work and at home. Danny's life mission on spreading positivity while staying true to yourself, building meaningful connections, mastering the art of LinkedIn recommendations, embracing non-linear career paths, and so much more. If you are someone that is currently going through their own career pivot, this episode is for you. Thank you so much for joining. And here's my conversation with Danny Liu. When I was looking back at my journal a couple of days ago in 2020, 2020 was a rough year for me. I got laid off a month before the pandemic. Two months later, I got in a car accident, totaled my car got caught up with drugs and alcohol abuse because I pretty much need a way to find another high. And then it just killed me. So the last, like from 2021 to 2022, I spent the last two and a half years just paying off my debts, sobering up. And now like I'm in a bad situation, but like before that, I would hate posting on LinkedIn because it would make me so depressed. But yeah, it's definitely been a interesting journey. Thanks for sharing. And we already started, by the way. So let's just dive into it. And when, so in 2020, you got laid off, you got into a car accident. What was that? Yeah, what was the moment through? Do you have a support system? What was your state of mind? And at what point was there a resource? Was there a mentor that helped you get out of that rut little by little? The biggest supporter for me was, is my family. Growing up for me, I grew up as the only child. So for me, I've always been very selfish. I only think about myself, what's in it for me. I tend to push my family away because I'm, I was so used to growing up by myself where like I try to do everything on my own. And then in 2020, when that stuff happened, I was like, holy shit, all my Friends were gone. Like I, I thought that I, they were like my actual friends. And then the only person that was only there for me was just my family. So after the whole situation, 2020, I started to rely as in 
being there for my family more, not being too selfish and just really put them in the center because I really thought my friends were there, Caesar. Like it was an interesting time. And then by the end of the day, it was just my mom, my uncle, my aunt. Like they were really supportive and they saw me when I was my lowest. And they also saw me when I was my highest. And now I want to be able to maintain the same energy and then just give back to my family. Like I'll give you a perfect example. So the last like growing up, I'd never really like surprised my mom or grandma or grandpa, like any birthday gifts or anything. But now that my situation is better and I put family in the center, I try to surprise them with a nice gift on their birthdays. And that's something that I hold myself accountable because when I was growing up, they gave me everything that I wanted. And now that I'm more matured, I understand what life is all about. What is the best way for me to give back? And then it's going to be like the simplest gestures, birthdays, gifts, just visiting them like on the weekends and like just really having an actual conversation instead of saying just hi and bye. So definitely family has now like the center of me and it's made me way I'm as a person after the whole incident. Oh, it's okay. I your LinkedIn, right? And you have 44, 45 LinkedIn recommendations. And I was like, holy cow, that's the letter of recommendations. And then the way you show up on LinkedIn, you show up as someone else giving, wants to engage, wants to add value. But you mentioned that you were selfish, right? And I'm wondering if the way you show up online was also sparked by the accident or have you always been that way? So this is actually a really good question. I'm going to tell you something about me that you might be surprised with. I was a completely different person when I'm at work versus at home. And that's mm -hmm. the reason why you see a lot of recommendations on my LinkedIn from 2019 to now. So when I'm at work in the past, I was super happy, super energetic. Oh yeah, like Danny seems like he, he got his shit together. Uh, but at home, I'm like a complete different person, Caesar. As in, I'm super selfish. All I care about is myself. I have really low energy at home. And like, girl, when I get home, I'm just in my room doing my own thing. And it's weird looking at back, but I'm glad that I went through that phase because I remember it was like six months ago, I saw a really good post and it said something about if you're performing well at work and treating your coworkers well, and you're not doing that with your family, you're not a human being or so, or something like that. Well, that got me because now I, I can confidently say that I am who I am at work and who I am at home. Like I treat my coworkers with respect and I also treat my family with respect too. So in the past, I wore two faces. Now I just have one face. This is who I am as a person. So I try to balance everything out because in the past, I've always put work on top of everything. By the time that I got home, yeah, I was a completely different person. And I know that's not who I am as a person because that's just not the right thing to do. If someone on the street were to ask you, who is Danny and what mission are you on? What identity are you working towards to? What, what would you tell them? My mission in life now is to continue to spread positivity. And the reason why I said positivity is because piggyback to the old Danny, right? He, he was super negative, super odd. 
he didn't really know what his purpose and his why was. And I used to play the victim game a lot. Like when I mean a lot, like it, it will be every single day when things would not go my way. I'm always finding others to blame for. And then until I got laid off until I'm 20, I'm like, damn, this shit is real. There's no point now I need to really get my act together and look at my entire life. Like what, what are some things that I can change? So one of the things that I started recently doing last year was now I focus on six buckets. One is going to be financial. Second one is going to be spiritual. Third one is going to be personal development. The fourth one is going to be career. The fifth one is going to be family. And it's all in, not in order. I'm just trying to remember the six buckets. So family. And then the last one I believe is relationships. So after I started focusing on those six buckets, that's when everything started to come together for me. So my mission in life now is to continue to spread positivity, but also stay true to myself because growing up, I've always had a hard time of being myself. I've always tried to be someone else that I'm not. And I noticed that when I do that, I don't attract the right people into my life. I really try to spend my time and energy with the right people because I'm at the point where I'm starting to really think about the future. What the hell is Danny going to do in the next five, 10 years? But yeah, that's definitely my mission. I want to ask you, when you got laid off in a strange way, what's that? Before you, you broke into tech or after you broke into tech? So when I got laid off, it was actually at my first tech job as an SDR. When I look back now, it's very crazy because the way that I see things and think now, it's so different. When I got laid off, right? Like, I was like, no, I was like the best SDR. I was making my numbers. But all those words were coming out of my mouth because I had high ego in the top of that I took a lot of shortcuts when I was an SDR so now when I look back now living in the present I actually deserve to get laid off because the way that I do things now is so much more differently I do things more with integrity now I do what's right for business right for myself and overall I do with a purpose and a why but yeah, the whole layoff situation was when I first broke into tech after leaving Wells Fargo and got laid off in my first role. But it definitely opened up a lot of new doors. And it also made me realize that this is a new challenge that I'm going to overcome. And I'm also going to learn a lot of things from the layoffs. What were some of those mistakes that, that you made as an SDR that you brought into your next role? Yeah, so... Some of the mistakes that I made, Caesar, was super high ego, not effectively communicating well with other teams and pretty much doing things on my own without really asking my team for like their advice, their thoughts, and even bring up to leadership. I will always look for different like small ways to kind of hide it from the organization just to make my numbers. But I'm not saying that I've done anything unethical, but what I'm saying is though when I first became an SDR, I had really high where I thought I knew everything. So I've, I wanted to do things my way, 
but that was more of a short-term thing. Just because I didn't really know any better, right? I barely know, knew anything about what the term SaaS was, BDB. I'll tell you a funny story. I really thought that when I was an SDR, I was going to sell to consumers, but not BDB. That's how chaotic it was, like the way that I was thinking. That's what I mean by high ego thinking that I know everything, but I didn't really know anything. So it was terrible. But I'm glad that the past made me who I am today. I've been there before. I've been in a position where I've been caring too much about my own metrics and not really about the overall team. And I think all of us made that mistake, right? But I've learned through trial and error that you could have helped your teammates become successful as well, right? It's, it's, it's a team sport, right? Now, from at what point did you realize that SDR was not necessarily the path for you? And what was the transition like, you know, making that pivot from SCR to more marketing? Yeah. So I'm going to say that this changed everything when I got hired again at the second startup that I worked at. So I joined as an SDR again. So I became an SDR the second time in 2021. And during my interview process, well, the recruiter was mentioned to me that, hey, Danny, we're going to hire you as an SDR, but you're going to roll up to marketing. And for me, the marketing role has always been something that's on, to, always on, on top of my mind. I always felt like I was a, I like doing sales, but I want, I've always wanted something in between where I can still find different ways to help the organization build pipeline and just close out more opportunities. So I've been pretty fortunate for at the, in 2021, the start of that work that although it was really chaotic, but the last VP marking who I reported to you, he gave me a really great game plan. So it was like, Hey, Danny, if you're able to hit your numbers two quarters in a row, I will promote you to marketing specialist where you can do all the things that you like as in managing some of the tools like Sendelso, Drift, and just, so that role was more of an entry of marketing specialist role, Caesar, because I knew that I wanted to get into marketing eventually, because I always wanted to be in the middle. And during that, pro during that time too, I had the opportunity to work closely with the sales team, although the sales team that I do work too well, just because there was a lot of like conflicts, like, and I'm sure that you heard this term sales versus marketing. So that yeah. the company work point, it was very chaotic. So there was a lot of misalignment. But I think what changed for me was when I got into Sendoso, which is the previous company that I worked at before joining Callis, I took every mistake that I made in the past and I made sure that I won't repeat the process again. I think right when I joined Sendoso, it had helped me elevate my career a lot as in I met a lot of awesome customers, partners, and that's when I started posting more often to you on LinkedIn because they had created a safe space for me, which allows me to have my own voice too. And then eventually I just found the community manager role just came on my lap. I've always tried my best to build a really strong relationship with everyone that I meet. I've been pretty fortunate to be able to work with my old director of customer advocacy. So when I was a customer Sendoso, her and I built a good relationship. So by the time that I joined Sendoso, I've always really been curious on what like 
customer marketing or the community manager role was all about. And then after that, it just came into my lap. I would never expect me to be a community manager. That was never in my radar at all. What's your approach to building relationships and building meaningful connections? I think in order to build a really effective relationship, the first step that you got to do is make the first move and put in time and effort. That has always been one of my weakness growing up. I'll give you a perfect example, okay? Let's say, for example, you and I barely met. Back then, the old Danny was like, damn, I'm going to wait until Caesar add me on Facebook or Instagram. But if he doesn't add me, I'm not going to talk to him. I think that approach, it's super immature. It's super wrong. And then right when I enter the workforce, especially in the B2B space, I reminded myself in order for you to build really strong, build any connection in general, you have to put yourself out there and you always have to make the first moves. How do you make that first move? What is uh, a more effective approach to making the moves? You know, let's say it's a guy. You know, you see a lot of bias on LinkedIn about cold email and this and that. But what does, what do you do? What, like, how do you message someone? Make that, that first move. Yeah, definitely. So let's say, for example, if you are someone that I've been following a lot and I really enjoy your content, let me keep it very casual. I'm going to send a LinkedIn connection, but hey, Caesar, been a fan of your LinkedIn content for some time. Now thought that it was time for me to send a connection because by the end of the day, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just trying to connect with you and kind of learn more about you. So is that way I can continue to see your content on my feed. That's the way that I would do it. And I've been doing that for the last year and a half and it's been super effective for me. Yeah, the, I feel like there is a lot of good content creators out there that are super genuine. Like I, I've spoke with a few people that are, they are who they are on what they post on LinkedIn, especially when you meet them in person, they are who they are, which is super cool. But yeah, I try to keep the message as short as possible. And yeah, that, that's what I've been doing and it's definitely been working for me. And I forgot to ask you, and I wanted to make a sign on here because 44 LinkedIn recommendations, that's impressive, right? Is that, was there a way that you made the ask? Because whatever people, they made the ask, right? But let's face it, writing a recommendation for someone, it can take a little bit of time, right? Especially if you want to make it thoughtful. So I was just wondering if you have a specific approach, you know, when you're trying to ask someone for, in this case, a good recommendation. Yeah, I'm a really big fan of LinkedIn recommendations, Caesar. I think LinkedIn recommendation is a very underrated play on LinkedIn for a lot of users. So the way that I approach it is I don't ask everyone to write me a recommendation. I try to be as strategic as I can. I started using LinkedIn in 2019 and the moment that I knew that I was going to leave Wells Fargo to join the startup world, what I did was I looked at my current book of business, right? Because I was managing my own book of business. I was like, who are my top customers that enjoy talking to me that I feel like they meet eye to eye with me? And that I just reached out. I was like, hey, Caesar, I'm actually going to be leaving Wells Fargo to join the dark side, which is the startup world. I was curious since you and I maintain a really good relationship, would you mind writing me a LinkedIn recommendation? Because I knew that the way that I see LinkedIn is it's kind of like a digital resume, right? Everyone can see it, but 
I want to make sure that I'm having the right people do write me the LinkedIn recommendation. So that was my phase one when I was trying to break into tech. Phase two was about meeting the right colleagues, working really well with them, and eventually asking them to write the LinkedIn recommendation to each year. I block out like one or two days. I don't wait until I get laid off to ask people to start writing recommendations for me. Let's say, for example, you and I, right? I know that you and I have met through Coaching Corner at Catalyst. Maybe down the road, like six months to a year from now, I'm going to be reaching out to you or like some of the customers that I've been working with at Catalyst. But hey, it's definitely been a joy working with you and partnering with you. Would you be open to writing a recommendation? I'm only going to make the ask if I know that I have built credibility to everyone else. I'm not going to reach out to you. I'm leaving, hey, Caesar, can you write me a recommendation? Because I haven't really built any credibility or provided any value yet. Don't wait until you get laid off to start asking people to write you recommendations. Because when you do that, it's going to feel forced. And on top of that, I don't think it's going to be that genuine. Um, each year, I block out one or two days for me to really think, who are some people that I build a good relationship this year? And then after that, I'm going to ask them to write me a recommendation because I feel a recommendation goes such a long way. And it's vice versa too. They write me one, I'm going to write them one too. I think that's the key that you mentioned there, building credibility and having build trust first before making the ask, right? So that's genuine. Now shifting gears here into your community role. Yeah, what are some of the things that, that you have learned when it comes to building communities for startups? What's been an unexpected lesson that, that you've learned from stepping into this role? So I am heading into my seven month overall as a community manager. So three months at Sendoso, heading into my fourth month at Catalyst. Building community is very hard. It takes a lot of effort. And on top of that, the way that I see community, it's not a one-person show. You have to be able to work closely with product, sales, marketing. It's a variety of roles within the organization to really figure out what kind of value can you add into the community. The biggest challenge for me when I got into this role was... And I'm talking about Catalyst. I don't know who the hell our customers are. So that was the biggest challenge for me. And I don't know who our potential buyers are. One of the things that I'm consistently trying to do is knowing who our existing customers are. So at least that way I can interact with them on LinkedIn or Slack. And not knowing who or in the active opportunities that's working with our sales team. Because by the day, my ultimate goal is to be a partner to sales and our buyers, right? And our customers too. I want to be able to provide a good experience, but at the same time, I want to be able to add value for them. And I think value is so key because there are tons of communities. And if you're one of those communities where all you're doing is ask and you're constantly asking your community members. I don't think that's how you run a effective community. So I like the phase where it says, give, 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 then you can ask. But when you ask, you make sure that your ask is 
as simple as possible and you make it less stress for them. So let's say, for example, right, you are a customer of Catalyst and now I need, we have a buyer that wants to speak to existing customer at Catalyst. I'm not going to be like, hey, Caesar, can you, we have a potential buyer that is cares about your experience with Catalyst. Can you talk to them? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to try to make the email as simple as possible. So that way it's less stuff for them just to make their life much easier because I hate asking people for things, but I feel like once I'm able to kind of tweak the words around and make their life easier, they will gravitate toward it. For this career path that you're on right now, what are some of the signs that you're picking up that this might be the, the right path for you? And tying it back to when you left or sparkling, what were some of the signs that you saw? Well, well, but it was time for me anymore. I want to try something different. I didn't expect to be in this world at all. And I've always knew that I've always been a people person. I love advocating for our, the current customers I work with and also just speaking with potential buyers. But right when I left False Flogger, right, I thought that right when I broke into tech, I thought the career path is going to be very linear. So you become SDR, you become an AE, or you get into SR leadership. And the reason why I thought about that is because the career path is so different at a startup versus at a, a big company like Wall Street. So I started Wall Street as a teller. After a teller, the only thing that you can do is become a personal banker. Then after that, you, you can become like a assistant branch manager. And then after that, the investments and you get in corporate. So I've always had that belief that I need to go from A, B, C, and D. Right when I got to the Star Wars, I was like, holy crap, like I can become an SDR. And then after that, I can actually become a CSM or get into the RevsOps. I did not know that that path was available. And I was really mind-blowing because... It's just very shocking to me because there was the cult that, that stuck with me when I got, when I became a community manager last year, your career is not, is not linear. And that just always stuck with me. And I, and on top of that, I did not force anything to become a community manager. I just eventually found the passion for it because I was so interactive in the community and therefore it just came to me. And I feel like this also ties back to anything in life, right? The more that you chase for something and the more that you consistently think about it and you find different ways to force it, it's never really going to end well. When I joined Sendosa as a customer as associate, I was forcing to become a CSM like six months to like a year. I consistently bought it up to my director at that time, but nothing ever happened. And then eventually the community manager role just fell into my lap. And then I was like, oh, shoot, this is the actual role that I've been looking for, but I never thought about. Yeah, it's kind of like separate deputy, right? You wait, don't expect anything, and eventually it will come to you. I was like, holy crap, this is actually the role that's made for me. I'm so happy you mentioned that because I, I've been feeling something similar. And I know listeners out there probably feel something similar. When you try to come across as, as desperate, like you want the thing, you want to drop it now. It, it works in very interesting ways, but you kind of pushing it away from you, right? Whereas if you're more like open to receiving, but you're not really looking for it, you're just open 
doing your thing, of course, right? Like, taking action, doing your thing. Things happen to you. Like things come to you. Like this community role, right? It's like it just came to you because you were taking action. You were creating this vibrational energy that attracted what it seems to be the right role for you, right? At least for now, right? So this is all very relevant, and especially for people that have been laid off, for job seekers out there. I know that you know, you're trying to push, you're trying to apply for jobs, network, connect. But the, yeah, just crazy. Like the more you look desperate, the less you're going to get the thing that is meant for you. Isn't that interesting how that works? It's, yeah, it sounds counterintuitive, but that's just how things work. It's pretty damn interesting, Caesar. And the reason why I said that too is because, and this also ties back to the whole six buckets that I was telling you about, right? Everything that you do professionally also ties back to your personal life, just like a relationship, right? If you, if you and I are trying to chase this one particular woman and we're consistent, we're desperate, things will never not go the way it wants. And it always causes a lot of more stress, anxiety. So that's one thing that I always try to keep on back in my mind now. I try not to force anything anymore because... I try to look more on the long term as much as we want like that instant gratification where, oh yeah, I can't wait to become a director by the time I'm 32. It's, you, we're causing a lot of more stress just thinking about it. Why not change the way that we see things and go with the flow, but at the same time, it's okay to think about it. I, like, I, I'm already thinking about what I want to do in the next three years and as silly as it sounds, I actually wrote a letter to myself two weeks ago. I wrote a letter to feature Danny Liu that I'm going to be opening up in 2025 because I've been having a lot of self-reflections and there are a lot of things that I want to do in 2025. So for the next two and a half years, I'm going to work my ass off and figure out and then kind of get there. But I'm not going to think about what I wrote in the letter. I'm just going to continue to go with the flow. I know it sounds silly, but... This is something that I've always wanted to do now that I have my act together and I kind of know what I want, but yeah, it's, it, it, you're right. The life is pretty crazy. Yeah. When did this habit, when did you, did you start to make this habit of self-awareness of journaling of, of reflecting? Is it recent or have you always gravitated towards, towards that? January, 2022. And the reason why I remember so vividly is because the last company that I worked for, it changed my entire career trajectory. The first two startups I worked at, it was very tough. I hated my job, miserable. I just could not be myself in the simple, because I feel like no matter what we do in life, or let's say, for example, for any company that you work for right now, right? If you can't show up to work being yourself, it's eventually going to add a lot of, I'll give you an analogy for this. If you show up to work every day and you can't be yourself, it's kind of like a, a bottle of soda. The more anger, the more stress, eventually it's going to blow up. So that's how I felt like the last, at the last two stars I was at. So right when I joined Sendoso, January 2022, I became more self-aware. I started journaling daily, like five times a week. I try to take the weekends off, but I pretty much 
try, I do my best every day to watch around my surroundings, how I feel. And I just try to get to know myself more every single day. And I'm not going to BS you. Like this is one of the challenges that I'm still going through today. And I talk about it quite often too, is I'm very hard myself. And I think just for any listeners out there too, it's very normal for all any of us to be really hard on ourselves because we have high expectations. But there are days where we, all of us should give each other some space and some grace. Life is more about works. And then to kind of pay back to what our main topic is going to be, right when it's five o'clock or whenever anyone decides to shut off work, the moment that we shut off work, we are not work. We're more job titles. For me, I am a son. I'm a cousin and I'm just me who I'm Danny Liu that loves being outdoors. I like Boba. This is who I am as a person, but yeah. It's a public survey in your hobbies, right? Boba tea, outdoor hiking. Yeah. What's a memorable experience you have, whether outdoor hiking or finding the best Boba tea in town that you can share with us? In 2021, summer 2021, I did one of the hardest hike ever in my entire life. It was in Lake Tahoe. Elevation was around like 3,500. The hike took me 10 hours. So my friend and I, we were texting each other the night before. We're like, dude, we need to go on a hike together. And we're like, why don't we do a spontaneous hike? So <laughs> about five, four or five hours, five hours later, I picked him up from his house. We drove from California to Lake Tall, which is around like four or five hour pike. I mean, for our four to five hour drive. The ultimate goal was for us to finish it and drive back home the same day. We were so wrong. The hike was the hardest, one of the hardest hikes I ever done. It was like 11, 11 miles, 3,000 elevation. It took us like almost like 11 hours to finish. And I think I burned like 4,000 calories that day. But during that hike, there were moments where I want to give up. So I was like, damn it, I just want to go home already. And I think I can see why a lot of sports athletes athlete or just anyone in general who, who exercise every day, they always emphasize that you should always add daily exercise into your routine because when you're going through challenges, do some sort of exercise helps you break that barrier. And that's always something that's always been one of my weakness. So I try to at least walk or run or do some sort of exercise daily, just more for like mental clarity, right? Because by the end of the day, it's like there has to be a balance. You can feel the best physically, but if you don't feel well mentally inside, eventually everything's going to crash. And I know that it's May, which is mental health this month or something like that. So like, that's definitely been on top of my mind. Yeah. You know, I had a friend this, uh, I mean, this week and for many reasons, right? I spent two months, I took a break from working out and, but I wanted to show him my last right? So we went on hikes every day for four days and man, just going on a walk, going on a quick hike, it just does wonders to your mental health, to your system. like. I failed 
renewed after hiking with him. And, you know, it's one of those things that is very underrated. And we think that, oh, you know, I should walk more. I should go on hikes or be outdoors more, right? So we didn't do it for whatever reason. But you do, when you do it, you feel renewed. You feel like... Rejuvenated, right? Rejuvenated. Yeah. So this is a, one of my, this is a quote that's been on a wallpaper for the last two years. And I'm going to send to you after two. Let me know if you can read it. All right. I'm going to read it for those that might not get the video. Wait, can you refresh it back? Yeah. It says, quote, it's so funny how so much of finding yourself in adulthood is simply getting back to who you were and what you loved as a child. Oh, man. Getting back to what you and I are talking right now. Isn't it crazy, Caesar, how... When we were younger, we loved being outside, going on recess, playing with your classmates. And I think as all of us get older, we tend to be so busy working to support our family or whatever your end goal is that we kind of forget the little things, which is walking, getting some sort of daily exercise. As, as long as we're getting some sort of like mental exercise, it's going to help a lot. But yeah, that, that call has always been on, on top of mind. I read it every single day. So it's like a great reminder. Hey, Danny, like you need to get out. At least go for a walk or I'll do something outside. Just don't yeah. stick in your room, but working, you know? <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Man. Thanks for sharing that. And as I went to wrap up tips, I want to do a rapid fire round with you. Well, I'll basically ask you a question and just give me your top of mind answer. Ready? Yep. All right. Let's do it. First question. One book that has had a big impact on your life. Mel Robbins, The Five Second Rule. I'm a huge fan of Mel Robbins and her book changed my entire life in 2022 when I first started reading. That's a great book. And she's, her story is amazing, by the way. Yeah. That's it. All right. Second question. What are the most worthwhile investments that you made recently? And when I say investments, right, it could be financial, it could be a physical thing, it could be a relationship. I would say investing more in my personal development. I try to buy something. I try to invest myself at least once a month. That could be joining a new community, buying a new book, connecting with others on LinkedIn that are like-minded. So that's going to be my biggest investment this year and last year too. Best, best investment you can make is in yourself. Yep. Third question. I know you, you shared that quote on the screen, but I wanted to ask you if there's a quote that you think of often or a motto that you live your life by. Yeah. So I'm going to take back to 2012. When I first worked at Wells Fargo, one of my old coworkers had a quote that was on his desk and it said, learn grow, adapt, and become. That has always stuck with me for the last 10 plus years. I think that relates to anything that we do in general, in life or in business. Because in order for you to grow and become, you have to learn it first. And after, and after that, you just continue and enjoy the ride. So those learn, grow, and adapt, and become. Learn, grow, adapt, and become. Man, I love that. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. Oh, Fred. Next question. In the last year, any habit that you have implemented that has had a profound impact? Meditating. I was never the biggest meditator. 
the reason why I started meditating is because to pay back to when we first had this conversation, Caesar, 2020 was a rough year for me, even though I'm sober now. Any other, every other day, my anxiety would just skyrocket. It's very annoying, but I don't take any like pills or meds or not that. I simply just meditate to kind of level out. And I try to practice on breathing properly in the morning. And that helps me reduce my anxiety. I'm a big fan of meditating. And I second that. It just does wonders to your mental state. And you feel like you ground yourself right for the day. Or if you do it at night, you know, like some people. Awesome. Last question here to wrap up. What will be one of your takeaways from this episode as it relates to personal development, your career that you can share with listeners that might be going through a similar journey? Yeah. My biggest advice is the way that the world is structured right now, especially with all the social media, you can see one person, they look very successful. They look very happy. But deep down inside, you don't know what they're going through, how much work they have put in for them to get what they have today. So overall, my, my advice or a, the message that I want to tell your community is never compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20 because that's going to give you a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And I feel like that can also cause a lot of motivation, motivation for you to kind of get where you want to go. Live in the present, do what you can, and just pat yourself in the back. Because I feel like I'm, a, I'm Buddhist. So one of the things my grandma had taught me is as long as you're doing the right thing every day and you're being a good person, good things will happen to you. So I try to remember that all the time. And that's one thing that I will, my takeaway for your community, don't compare your chapter one to someone else, chapter 20. Because you don't know what they're going through, how much work and time to put in to kind of get where they are today. Danny, thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing a bit about your journey, being honest, transparent, and vulnerable. I think we need more of that in the world. Where can people find you and what's the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, definitely. So the best way to find me is LinkedIn. That's the only social media that I have. I actually deleted my Facebook and Instagram in 2020 when I got laid off. So my LinkedIn is very simple. LinkedIn slash D-N-T-L-U-U. And I'm, I try to be as active as I can, but yeah, I'm pretty open on LinkedIn and I'm always happy to chat and learn from others too, like yourself. Awesome, Ben. Thanks so much again for coming on the show. And yeah, looking forward to doing a future episode and updates on how things are going. But for now, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, Caesar. I appreciate you. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening all the way through. I appreciate you and I hope that you got some valuable information that you can apply to your personal and professional life. If this story resonated with you and you would like to support the podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.